I'd like you to open your Bibles this morning to the New Testament book of John, and we're going to be continuing in our sermon series that is focused on the life of Jesus from the manger to his ministry to the cross, and the series simply called, It's All About Jesus. We started this sermon series in December when we started looking at the Christmas story chronologically from the moment that that Christ in heaven was was working on the creation of earth through the time that he came and was born in a manger. And now we're going through the Gospels. This series will take us the majority of this year. We're going to look at the life of Christ chronologically as we move along. And last week, we saw and we were introduced to a gentleman by the name of John the Baptist. You know, and, and, and I've made clear, and, and, and you understand that today is a special day here at our church because we're celebrating baptism. And, and it's a very specific reason that we're celebrating baptism. We do it because the Bible tells us to do it. It's when we have an opportunity to go outside of our church and we have an opportunity to gather around as new brothers and sisters in Christ are going public with their proclamation of faith in Jesus Christ and we celebrate that in baptism. At our church today, we get to do the same thing that scripture tells us that Jesus Christ went and did with John the Baptist. Now, last week when we studied John the Baptist, his ministry was to bring people to the water and to baptize them and for them to repent of their sins and show their repentance of their sins through the act of baptism. That's what John did. And he also told them to show others by their changed life. By a difference in the way when you go into the water, you're going in as you. When you come out of the water, you're coming out as a child of God. Today, we're going to see that the only person to ever walk on earth who did not need baptism for repentance of sin is the person who all but demanded to be baptized by John the Baptist. Now, I want to differentiate a little bit. I think this is a good time in our sermon series, it's a good time in our sermon to differentiate a bit about what baptism means to our church. Some churches will sprinkle children in baptism in their early age, and that's not the type of baptism that our church takes takes part in. Some will sprinkle the heads of adults, and again, that's not the baptism that, that our church takes parts in. Some churches will require you to have been baptized for the church or for the leaders of the church to even recognize or to say, oh, you're you're saved. If you haven't been in the water, they'll say, you're not saved. And again, our church doesn't do that. There was a thief on the cross next to Jesus. And this thief told Christ, he says, hey, remember, remember me. And Jesus says, today you will be with me where? In paradise, in heaven, right? Now, baptism is a command. It's told to us to take part in baptism. But would, would it be fair to assume that Jesus and that man did not get off of their cross and go find water? 
And Jesus says, you're going to be with me in paradise today. Yes, baptism is important, but baptism does not save you. We're saved when our name is written in the book of life, when our hearts come together with the Holy Spirit, and when we give our lives to Jesus Christ. It's at that point that we have been made new, and baptism is the outward expression of an inward change. There are many different interpretations of what baptism is, and there's just as many interpretations of what baptism isn't. And, and we're going to continue reading in our Christ-focused scriptures today. And as a church, learn and see what baptism means. In our church statement of faith, which you can read on our website, and which is some of our printed material, I want to read you exactly these words when it comes to baptism. Christian baptism is the immersion of a believer in water in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It is an act of obedience symbolizing the believer's faith in a crucified, buried, and risen Savior, the believer's death to sin, the burial of the old life, and the resurrection to walk in newness of life in Christ Jesus. It is a testimony of his faith in the final resurrection of the dead. With that, I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1. As we're going to see a little bit of an overlap between the end of our service last week and the beginning of our service this week in verses 24 through 28. In these verses, John the Apostle writes this. He says, now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him. Stop right there. The Pharisees were guys who worked at the church. They're religious leaders. They had been sent out to the Jordan River to question John, who had been baptizing people, to question him and say, who are you? What are you doing? Why are you doing this? You're causing an uproar. They questioned him. Why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah or Elijah nor a prophet? John says in verse 26, I baptized with water, but among you stands one who you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where, where John was baptizing. Verse number 29, the next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and he said, look. The Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. This is the one I meant when I said, A man comes who after me has surpassed me because he was before me. I myself didn't know him, but the reason I came baptizing with water was that he might be revealed to Israel. See, John says that the reason that John started baptizing out in the wilderness was to reveal Jesus Christ. It was to make Christ known. In our New Testament context, that is exactly what baptism is for. If you're new to our church, you'll find in your bulletin on the left-hand side, you'll find some fill-in-the-blanks, and those are your notes. If you have a pen, you can fill those in as we go. Watch right now as people who have joined with us will grab a pen and write. Point number one in your notes this morning. Baptism identifies believers with God's kingdom. Baptism identifies believers 
with God's kingdom in our church, along with many, many, many other churches worldwide. Baptism is referred to as believer's baptism. It's not something that is done by non-believers. It's not something that, that needs to be done more than once. Baptism is simply to identify people who believe in Jesus Christ and to make a public proclamation that they have put their lives in the hand of Jesus Christ. When we put our life in the hand of Jesus, let me show you what Jesus says about what happens when you are in his hand, okay? John chapter 10, verses 28 and 29. Jesus says this, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. Last week I used the illustration of baptism as being similar to a uniform, that you would put on a uniform if you were in the military, that this uniform differentiates you from any other military in the world. It differentiates you from non-military personnel. If somebody's walking down the street and they have on a military uniform that identifies them, you know that they are part of a group. They're part of the military, right? Baptism is our uniform as Christians. Every day people join the military and they put on a uniform. And every day people retire from the military and they take off their uniform. But we don't say that they're not in the military anymore. We call them veterans. They still get military honors. They still get, get thanked for their service. They are still giving a public service to their country. They're not done, right? They're still part of the military. I'm sure that we all know people who have come to Christ and have had a struggle through their life as a Christian, measuring up to what they felt and, and, and what they felt they needed to do when they came to Christ, and, and they slip and they just slip behaviorally. They're just not living a Christian life. Let me tell you something. Sometimes we'll come to Christ. We'll come to Jesus and then a few weeks later our friends find us again. And life finds us again. And those vices that we had troubles with before, they find us again. And we find ourselves exactly where we were before we walked down an aisle. That's human strength. But it doesn't mean that Christ has let you slip through his fingers. Amen? Christ is not going to let go. He loves you that much. It is, however, our sinfulness that allows God to show us his grace. Isn't it when, when we sin and when, when, when we're walking away, when we, when we can't stay straight with Christ that we look and he's still there and we can see his grace. Paul wrote a letter to the Christians in Rome explaining to them and telling them, and he wanted them to know that they're not going to slip from the grasp of God, but even though that they're not going to slip, that doesn't mean that we have a license to continue sinning. 
God's love is not a license. I'm going to read what Paul wrote in Romans 6, verses 1 through 4. Paul writes this, he says, Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? (laughs) Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and we were buried with Christ in baptism. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. See, Christ died once. And Christ rose once. And Christ saved us once. And we were dead in our sins once. And we came to Jesus once. And he's not going to let us go. Even when we struggle to stray away from our sin, isn't it amazing the grace of God holds on to us so tight even when we struggle? Jesus himself was baptized. Even though he didn't need to be, he was baptized. Let's pick up the action. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 3, verses 13. Just to reiterate why we're moving around the Gospels. When you hear me, we started in John, we're going into Matthew. Why we're doing this is because, like I said, we're looking at the story of Jesus chronologically. And some of the gospel writers have some parts of the story and others are going to pick up something that wasn't in another. So we're putting them all together. Matthew says in 3 verses 13 through 15. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one that needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus says, it should be done For we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. So Jesus basically told John that the reason that the Messiah, that he, that Jesus, needed to be baptized by John was because it's filling the command from God the Father. It was the will of the Father that Jesus be baptized by John. It was the will of the Father that Jesus die on the cross. It was the will of the Father that Jesus rise from the dead to defeat death. And it is the will of the Father that you and I leave our old self behind. Point number two in your notes this morning. Baptism joins our worldly self to Christ in death. Baptism joins our worldly self to Jesus Christ in death. When we come to Jesus, we're leaving our old self behind. You remember that self from last week? You remember that self from last year? That one that, that, one that you're remorseful for, that one that you're sorry for, that one you're ashamed of? When we come to Christ, we leave that. How can we walk a holy path and lead ourselves when all we know is how to satisfy our own earthly desires? That's what we know. That's what we're good at, right? 
Who here has, has the market on living a holy life? Who here really has got this down? Like, I've got this down pat. Holiness, right here. Done with that one, taking that class. Got a certificate on the wall. Super holy, right here. None of us, right? Paul continues in his message to the Romans in chapter 6. We're in verse number 5. Paul says, since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. I'm going to read that again. We are no longer slaves to sin. Amen? Amen. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin. But now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and watch this, alive to God through Christ Jesus. When Christ died, did he stay dead? No. When we die, did we stay dead? No. Our worldly death, or the death of our worldly self, it is absolutely necessary when we come to Jesus. We can't bring our sin into heaven with us. And although we're never going to be completely sin-free, we're accepting the atoning blood of Jesus Christ. Why he died and defeated death for us, did something that we can't do. And he offers us that gift. He says, I did this for you. Will you accept this gift? And come to heaven and live with me forever? Because right now, I'm going to go and I'm going to start building you a mansion. Will you come and live with me? It's free. And I'll give it to you. And you know what's sad? Is that some people in our world say no. They say no. I got this. There's a moment in the book of Matthew when we see that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all in the same scene at the same time. It's an amazing, it's an amazing opportunity to see the Godhead working together. Three of the, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost at the same time at the baptism of Jesus. The baptism was such a celebration in heaven that everyone had to come. Our celebrations of baptism, baptism are so important that everyone had to come. I thank you guys for being here. Anyone who is here today to celebrate baptism, I thank you for being here. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit all took part. Read back with me in Matthew chapter 3. We're in verse number 16. As soon as Jesus was baptized... He went out of the water, and at that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God. Okay, so we have the Son, we have Jesus. 
We have the Spirit of God descending like a dove and aligning on him, and a voice from heaven says, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We have Jesus Christ being baptized, the Son of God. We have the Father in heaven who is speaking out loud, audible, and we have the Spirit as a dove, all in the same scene. As God spoke when Jesus was baptized, Jesus himself tells us that, watch this, you know what he says when we get baptized? He says that angels in heaven rejoice when one sinner repents. It's not simply God and the Holy Spirit and Jesus coming together to celebrate his baptism. And it's not simply our families coming to celebrate our baptism. When you're ba- you can be baptized alone. You and me out here in this tub, if no one is here to see it, angels are rejoicing. When we go back into these baptismal waters and we fall back into the water, we are essentially being buried with Christ. And, and when we come up out of the water, we are rising with Christ, a new person and a new self with a new direction for our lives. Point number three in your notes this morning, baptism joins our spiritual self to Christ in life. See, a few minutes ago, we died with Christ, right? That's not the end of baptism. The baptism's not about getting wet. Baptism is about dying with Christ and rising again with our Lord and Savior. We don't partake in baptism for no reason or to just go through the motions. We partake in baptism to show others that we have died to our old self. That we can't come to Jesus in in only the the holiness that we choose to provide. Here I come with my holy certificate. I got this online. I'm like holy enough. No, we can't come with that, right? We come and we take everything that Christ has afforded to us. Paul continues in his letter to the Romans in chapter 6 telling them that now they are under a new law. He says we have a new leader. He says we have a new master. We have a new cause. He says we have a new polished spirit. He says we have a new meaning for life. We have a new reason. We have a Father in heaven who loves us. We have a new life that has no death. We have a new hole in our heart where sin used to live and now it's filled with the blood of Jesus Christ. In Romans 6, 15 through 18, Paul says, Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean that we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave to whatever you choose to obey? I'm going to read that again. Watch this. Don't you realize that you become the slave to whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God, once you were slaves of sin, but now you wholeheartedly obey his teaching that we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin. Watch this. 
You're free from your slavery to sin, but you're not free from being a slave. Watch this. And now you have become slaves to righteous living. You're a slave, but you're a slave to Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen? Amen. The one thing about coming to Jesus is that... The one thing about coming to Jesus is that it is so hard to hide. Do you know anyone in your life that knows Jesus and they just will not, they won't stop telling you about Jesus? Or maybe you're that person that somebody else says, oh, all they talk about is Jesus. You know why? Because Jesus is hard to hide, right? When you have Christ in your heart, he's hard to hide. If we have any believers in here this morning, can I get a huge applause and an amen for Jesus Christ this morning? The love of Jesus, it is so strong that our new relationship with Jesus should be harder to keep quiet than it is to yell from mountains. We should have such a hard time keeping it quiet that we love Jesus. Point number four in your notes this morning. The new life of a believer shines holiness for all to see. We're not shining our own holiness, are we? Because even coming to Jesus, even coming to Jesus, we were still human. We don't walk out into our world holier than thou, but we walk into our wor world telling somebody who is holier than all, right? We tell people, it's our behavior, it is our good works that is a light for other people. Our good works does not save us. That's works. Our works is a symptom of our faith. It's what happens when you come to Jesus. Your behavior changes. Your outward expression to people changes. That depth of love you thought you had that was like this for somebody now is like this. It changes. I want you to see what Jesus said about being a light. You've heard me pray about this, right? We pray this at Bible study. Let us be a light to those in Paris as we reach Paris from within Paris. Let's see what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that, watch this, everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Do we do good deeds for people to praise us for doing good deeds? It's not us, right? As a matter of fact, I think it would be fair to say that without Jesus Christ, some of us just wouldn't do good deeds. You're like, eh, you know. But no. Our behavior changes when we come to Christ. And our behavior changes when we come to Christ because we show others Christ. We don't hide our light. 
We let others see Christ in us. There's a there's an argument that I've made a few times in the life of this church. That says I can stand up here at this pulpit, I can open up this Bible and I can read to an empty room. And somebody might trickle in. But you know how God works in our world? Jesus works through his people. Jesus works through us. I can sit up here and I can read scripture. But every sermon has an application. It's the application. What are we taking into our lives so that we can take into our world? Because if we're only shining a light inside a senior center, in here it looks good. Out there it looks like a senior center, right? We need to take the light from this room to that city. The Bible won't read itself. It needs us to read it to other people. Amen? Christ works through his people. Finally, Paul reveals an amazing truth to the Christians in Rome. And he's also revealing this truth to the Christians in Paris and the Christians in Reno Valley. Romans chapter 6, verses 20 through 23. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. So he says, before you came to Christ, you didn't have any obligation. You didn't have any reason to do right. Who cares? That's when you were a slave to sin. You can do whatever you want. And what was the result? Verse 21. You are now ashamed of the things you used to do. Things that end in eternal doom. I love the way that this translation writes that. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Slaves. I want you to think about slavery in your mind, in our American culture, okay? We have a terrible, terrible idea of what slavery looks like in our world, right? But that's what we are to God. That's what we are to God. Because he is the master And we do his work here in this world, right? And he's not going to lead us astray, right? And the master to this slave, I know, the master to this slave is not going to beat me. The master of this slave is not going to leave me. The master of this slave is going to feed me and he's going to clothe me and he's going to take care of me. But you know what? He wants a relationship with me and he wants a relationship with you. That's what our master wants. He wants to treat us as family. The rest of this verse says, you've become slaves to God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. Verse 23, for the wages of sin is death, 
But the gift of God is eternal life through what? For through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's our free gift. It's absolutely free. God's not asking you to pay for it with good works. He's not asking for you to pay for it by being part of a family, part of your legacy, part of somebody brought you up in the church. If today's the first time you're hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, it's open for you. There is not one person on earth that Jesus does not want to live with forever. And knowing that, there should not be one person on earth that we don't want to live with forever. Every single person that you know and every single person that you don't know is somebody who needs Jesus. It's somebody who needs to see our light so that we can teach them and tell them and and bring them to Christ and we grow closer. When we come to Christ, do we know all that there is to know about Jesus? No. We died. We come out of that water. We come out of that water as babes in Christ. Babies don't stay babies, do they? No. Now it's time to learn And now it's time to grow. In our church, Thursday night's Bible study, Thursday morning Bible study, Monday morning men's discipleship, Sunday morning right here, this is where we grow. That is where we live. We take our light from here into that world. And then we bring disciples in because you know what? That's our job. Jesus said finally, and Isaiah, I don't have a slide for you on this one. He told the disciples, he says, I want you to go to Jerusalem, to Samaria, and to all the ends of the earth, making disciples and baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Our job isn't simply to come to Christ, come to church, pray, sing, and go home. Our job is to come to Jesus Christ, grow in Christ, and go make disciples. If we're not working to save other people, we're kind of not doing all of our job, right? As Paris Valley Community Church, we've got a job to do, amen? Amen. We have a job to do. In a moment before we go outside and take part in our celebration of baptism, I want you to know that it is the light of Jesus that we shine to others. It's not our own light that we shine. Because even though we live in Jesus, wouldn't it be fair to say that our own personal light's kind of dull? It's the light of Christ that we need to shine, right? I'm going to ask Peter and the boys to come up. And we're going to wrap up our inside service here with worship. And if you're getting baptized this morning, and if you want to go and change, if you need to change, feel free to go back. If if this morning, I I would ask for everyone here to do me a favor.
And please stay for baptism because this is important. And I would, I'm going to offer, and I'm going to let you know that just because there's three people signed up for baptism, that doesn't mean that we can't baptize more. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, today's the day. Today is that day that we die to our old self And we rise with Jesus Christ.